Hey, we're back. This is Joe and TJ from the Schoolhouse 302, and you're listening to our Focus Ed podcast. Focus Ed is your educational leadership podcast. In every episode, it's our mission to focus on one aspect of teaching and leading in school so that you can make progress in your district, school, or classroom with even more knowledge, better understanding, and a clear direction on what to do next for your students and staff. In each show, we ask an expert guest to join us and we dissect their work and tons of other information about leading better and growing faster in schools. We're only doing 14 episodes per school year and we hope you'll listen to all 14. The guest list is incredible. Don't miss a single show and do us a favor. Please like, share, and follow Focus Ed on SoundCloud, iTunes, and our website, theschoolhouse302.com. And now for another episode of Focus Ed. Each episode of Focus Ed, we invite expert guests to join us. And this episode, we have Robin Jackson with us. Welcome to the show, Robin. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. Well, we are excited to have you. And her book, Stop Leading and Start Building, is what we're really going to dive into today. We want to hear about how effective leaders build and why we need something more than leadership in schools these days. TJ, why don't you tell our audience a bit more about Robin? Thank you for that, Joe. Robin Jackson is a passionate leader about building better schools. As a CEO of MindSteps, Inc., she has helped thousands of K-12 administrators and teachers develop the clarity and confidence to turn their classrooms and schools into success stories. Jackson combines her experience as an English teacher and a middle school administrator and her work in thousands of schools and districts to help teachers and administrators develop rigorous instructional programs that provide students with the support and motivation they need to reach or exceed the standards and help refocus vision, mission, and core values to build better schools. She's the author of 10 books, host of the School Leadership Reimagined podcast, and an internationally recognized keynote speaker and consultant. All right, Robin, let's jump right in. Your book, Stop Leading, Start Building, that's what, like Joe said, we want to talk about today. Let's start here. We want to know what that means uh, when you say stop leading and start building. What do you mean by that? And what compelled you to write a book about turning schools into success stories? And here I'm quoting, by using the people and resources you already have. So one of the things that has been been driving the work that I've been doing for my entire career, from the time I was in the classroom to what I'm doing right now, is that I've always believed that every child deserves to be successful in school. And I've devoted my entire career to trying to figure out how to make that happen. First, I did it as a classroom teacher in my own classroom, trying to figure out how to help every child be successful. Then when I became an administrator, I was trying to figure out how do I build a school where that happens. And then when I became a consultant, that's the work that I do. I want to go in and try to figure out how to help every child be successful. The challenge is that while most of us believe that every child could and can be successful, 
our leadership training doesn't show us how. Our leadership training accepts that not every child will be successful. Our leadership training shows us how to write goals that are about 5% here or 10% there. And all those goals really mean is that a year from now or three years from now, we'll be failing five or 10% fewer students than the ones we're failing right now. And we're not taught as leaders how to create organizations where every child can be successful. And the leadership training that, that I received and that many people, many of the people that I work with have received, they show you how to kind of maintain things, but they don't show you how to build an environment where every child can be successful. So that's what I set out to do. And this book is about that framework. How do you help every single child in your school succeed? And how do you do it without having to go out and buy a new program? How do you do it without having to fire a group of teachers who are underperforming? How do you do that right now with the people you have right now? So Robin, I think I'm gonna ask a question that is on everybody's mind. And that is just that, how? What would be <laughs> the initial step you would really uh, tell everyone on this audience today that they should take um, that initial inroad. Because you're right, we've tried tons of different things. We have thrown money at the problem. Um, we have, you know, TJ was in a turnaround uh, situation. Um, I was on the cusp of a turnaround situation and we endured those things. But if we're not taught that, and we're now finishing up the school year. We have roughly three months left. What is something our audience and those who are going to listen to this can do tomorrow to make sure every student is successful? So a mentor of mine once told me that success is boring and being really successful is really boring. So what I'm about to tell you is pretty boring. It's, there's nothing sexy about it. And that's one of the reasons why it works actually, because you can get started right now. So we have a framework that we teach and I teach in the book. And the framework is that you need four things in order to build a school and you do it in a particular order. The first thing you have to do is get clear on your purpose. So if you were going to get started right now, the first thing we take everybody through when they come to Buildership University, which is where we teach the framework, is that the, we start out by helping people create a vision. Now, we all have had that leadership training where we've written vision statements, right? And once we write them, if I were to ask you right now, what is your school's vision statement? You'd say, wait a minute, let me look it up. That's not a vision statement that's gonna help you. So what we show you how to do is write a vision that's very simple. And it's the promise that you want to make to 100% of your students. What does success look like? Most people say they want every child to succeed, but they don't really have clarity about what that means. So the first step is to write that vision. So the vision statements that a lot of builders will write look something like this. 100% of our students will be reading at or above grade level by grade two. And they'll continue to grow at least one grade level each year for as long as they're in our school. But see, that vision is very clear. That's what success looks like. And the moment that you give yourself permission to say that out loud, something changes, something shifts inside of you. You've already stopped leading and you're starting to build because the reality is your school, the way it is right now, is not gonna get you to 100% of your students reading. Your school is giving you the results that it was designed to give you. It's, it, you're not gonna get there. 
But the moment you say that out loud, 100% of our eighth graders will have completed Algebra 2 successfully by the time they leave our middle school. 100% of our high school graduates will leave our school enlisted, enrolled, or employed. Once you say that out loud, the next question you have to ask is, okay, our school is not there right now, but what would it take? What would our school have to look like for that to be true? And once you understand that and you start asking yourself that question, things open up, possibilities open up that you've ignored. You also start to get very clear about what work is really important and what's not important. Because with that vision, now you're gonna sift every decision through that vision. When you're writing a school improvement plan, you're gonna say, will this get us closer to 100% this school year? And if not, we don't need to be doing it. When you are examining programs or curriculum, you're always gonna sift it through that vision. So the first step is seemingly a very boring step. You know, we all have vision statements, but does your vision statement drive that work? Does your vision statement give you a filter? The answer is no, first step is simply naming it. This is what 100% looks like. And then from there, the step is that how do I get all people in my, my community, my school, my staff, my parents to, to understand vision? And then how do I get everything aligned in our school to that vision? And you just did that for now, you know, say that that usually takes about 12 weeks to get a clear vision and to get everything in building aligned vision. Once you do that, just that first step does everything. Robin, I want to follow up on that with, so now we have a vision, we understand purpose, we're creating systems to that 100%, living out that promise. You talk in the book about discovering new ways to help every teacher grow. I think people on this call and our listeners, they want to know about that. We want to get our current staff to improve, to grow, to see new ways to reach kids. Can you talk a little bit about that and some of the advice that you give leaders as builders? So the first is purpose. Well, you've got to have that first. If you don't have that, then you're then the work that you do around helping teachers grow to grow to end. How do I know what is the most important thing for a teacher to do in order to grow and move our school towards that purpose? So what builders do is that once they have the purpose, the next step is they, the, the next part of that model is that now we have to equip our people with the skill and the will they need to, to carry out this. And so instead of the traditional leadership approach where you go in to evaluate people on, you know, 30 domains and subdomains, builders go in and we say, what is the one most important thing that this teacher needs to do right now that will help us get to our vision. And builders understand what that one thing is for every single teacher in their building. And then what builders do is they set out to help every teacher in their building grow at least one level, one in one year or less. And so when people go in and give teachers feedback, all of their feedback is driving that teacher to the one behavior change, one shift in their practice that's gonna make the biggest for the student's success. And then the builders constantly providing that support and feedback to help that teacher grow. And as a minimum, everybody should grow at least one level, their most critical domain in one year or less. Now here's what that means. Even your worst performing teacher, if they grow 
level in the most critical domain. So let's say most evaluation systems have four levels. So if I have someone who's at the worst level for one level in one year and everybody is doing that, then after one year, think about this, you have no teachers in your building at that bottom level in critical areas for your school. Then if you take that teacher and help them grow another level the next year, by the end of two years, the only teachers you have in your building are teachers who are either proficient or advanced in the most critical areas for your students. Think about what that means for your staff and more importantly, what it means for your students. And then three, if you are continuing to help teachers grow one, at least one level in one domain in one year or less, then in year three, your teachers are masterful in the most critical domains for your students. When you look at it, it doesn't feel so overwhelming that way. Identifying first what is the most important place for it to grow, and then being very consistent and deliberate about helping teachers grow at least one level in the most areas for your students means that in the course of three years, you have teachers who are, are the best at serving your students with their particular needs. And that's how you build a staff that is equipped with the will and skill they need to achieve your vision, and that's how you can get to in three years or less. Robin, if if we can, I want to get into that will a little bit and addressing some of the, the staff that may be a little resistant. How do you address or how do you suggest that the administrators listening address the educators that are resistant to the vision and purpose, who don't buy in that 100% of the students can do it. Now, how, how do you start addressing those folks? To the very beginning, when you, the way that you share the vision with your staff, most of the time we go in and we just say, here's our vision statement, everyone says, okay, whatever. When you go in as a builder and you're sharing this vision, you take people on a journey and the journey starts with here is where we're headed. You know, one of the, my favorite quotes, the thing that got me started on buildership was this quote named Amir Haik. He said, bosses say go. What, when bosses have a, and they just tell people, here's a vision and I expect you to get there. And people, you know, that's where we get this draconian accountability programs where you've got to grow this level. That's a boss move, right? Leaders say, let's go do is they'll win and they'll here's the vision we're going to all come together to get that vision and i'm going to lead us to that vision and the leader's the hero of that vision story i've set the vision and i'm going to take us to that vision builders don't say go they don't say let's go what builders say is builders come and when builders set a vision they invite people to thing rather than sending them or dragging them towards a goal they're inviting them into something that they've already started building. And there's a different way of pushing or drinking or cajoling towards that vision. When you share that vision that invites people to join you in building something bad, it's more important. It helps people become the hero of the story. You're not the hero, your teachers are the hero. And so that comes a lot of resistance because it's not, I'm gonna you know, hold, crack the whip and make you get there. I'm gonna drag you there. I'm inviting you to step into your best self and to offer your best. So just in the way you share that vision can change people's attitude towards that vision. But then builders go further. So once we have the vision, the next step is that we involve in creating the mission. And what the mission does is the vision answers 
question that everybody has is, okay, what are we building? That's what the vision answers. Answers the question, why is building that so important? And the more that you laugh in that, the more that I buy into the vision because their why is a part of that vision. Their why becomes the mission. And so from there, then we say the next step is, okay, what has to be non-negotiable amongst us and how we work together in order to achieve that vision? And your step established those core values. It's very important. You dictate the values. The staff has them. The staff says, okay, these things have to be knowledgeable amongst us. What staff is doing is boundaries around their own behavior. And when the staff comes with these non-negotiable thing to those non-negotiables, the staff itself the boundaries, they've created the will that they're going to be following to move that, that vision forward. So all that happens in the purpose stage. By the time you then start to build their will and skill to that vision, they've already been to the vision and they've already, they've already defined what their behavior is gonna be in, as they pursue that vision. Then when you get to that next level, that people level, the next thing you have to do is understand that along the way, as any change process, people's will is going to, you know, have peaks and valleys. So you wanna make sure that you can anticipate where those valleys are gonna be and put things in place that serve people where they are. You know, coming out of COVID, so many staffs are, are overwhelmed and overworked and burned out. But the reason that they're burned out is because they're working really hard and they're having little to show for it. They're working very hard, but they've lost track of why they're working so hard to begin with. The schools that have that strong vision, mission, and core values, that those staffs are coming out of COVID. They're tired, yes, but they're not burned out. They're, they're energized because they're seeing what they're able to accomplish because the story that you created around that vision had them as heroes. And the closer you get to the vision, the more heroic your staff becomes because it's their work, their, their efforts, and they're seeing the results of those efforts. So that's how you build that will and skill. It starts from the very beginning with how you share vision, and then it goes to how you begin to support people along the way so that they can see that vision. And at the end, they become the heroes. They're working hard, yes, but they're seeing the results of their hard work in the, in the student outcomes. Robin, I wanna shift gears just a little bit by asking a few more of um, leadership questions that our listeners gravitate towards. But the first one really goes back to something that you said before, which is defining the critical areas that are gonna be the most successful for all of our students, defining those areas and targeting them for teacher growth. If you were gonna improve the student experience in every school, what would you do? What would you target? What would you help teachers think about differently? Well, first of all, the best gift you can give students is a master teacher in every classroom. So that's my goal. My goal is that, the, 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 and, and every teacher evaluation, evaluation instrument shows the same thing. The better a teacher gets, the better the outcomes get for students. I don't know of a single thing that you can do that's gonna improve student outcomes and experiences more than giving students better teachers. So my job as a builder is to build the staff that my students need and to, to give my students a staff that is consistently growing, they're getting better and better. My staff is growing not only in their skill set, their ability to deliver the curriculum, they're also growing in their will set 
where they are seeing the value of, of serving every single child, creating a culture where your staff feels psychologically safe so that they can make psychologically safe spaces for students. If I could give my students one thing, it's that I want to give my students a master teacher in every single classroom. I don't think anybody would disagree with that, Robin. And something that TJ and I often discuss is the idea of lifting the school through your best teachers. Now, we often don't really think of it that way because of what demands our time. And unfortunately, as administrators, there's so much that pulls us away from that, but it's through the development of our best teachers and getting others to that level of mastery where you start to see exponential growth among students. Um, Robin, can you speak to that a little bit about getting teachers to that level and degree of mastery? Where do you start? How do you actually, and this is something that just, I think a lot of districts can do better and a lot of schools can do better, is start to differentiate mastery. Like even your new teachers doesn't mean they're not good in certain aspects. Veteran teachers need certain skills. Do you have suggestions for the audience on how we can start identifying their strengths, identifying what mastery is, and then moving towards that goal? So the first step is that we have to actually believe that any teacher can become a master teacher. So that's one of the things I say all the time. Any teacher can become a master teacher with the right kind of support and practice. And most of us don't believe it. So when we see a teacher who's struggling, we think, oh, well, that teacher just needs to go. And we spend a lot of time and energy getting rid of teachers rather than spending our time and energy figuring out how to help every teacher become a The second thing is that the process has already been done for us. Most teacher evaluation instruments spell out what a master teacher looks like. Look at that highest level of teacher. And so what one of the things we do is that we spend time doing something we call interrogating your teacher evaluation rubric. And so what we do is we look at that highest level of mastery and then we look at the lowest level and for each level in between, we ask one question. All right, a teacher is here. What is one thing that a teacher needs to do to go from this level to the very next level? What the mistake a lot of leaders make is they try to get a teacher from where they are to a master teacher in one fee rather than trying to just help teachers grow one level. Because if you are consistently helping teachers grow one level and you understand what's that one thing, and it's usually just one thing that'll move a teacher ineffective to developing, from developing to proficient, from proficient to accomplished, or whatever the language is for your evaluation rubric, one thing. So we spend a couple of hours interrogating that rubric until we understand clearly what is the one thing that will take a teacher from each level to the next. Now, armed with that interrogated rubric, go into any classroom. You can look at what a teacher is doing and you can, you know, complete your rubric. But then when you have that in next to you, you that teacher feedback. Here's the one thing you need to do to move from this level to the next level. And if you are consistently doing that with teachers and identifying that one thing at a time, you see is that teachers, they say, oh, is that all I need to do? Oh, I can do that. And then that's, that makes 
that mastery attainable for teachers. So I believe in being really transparent, sharing that with teachers. Here's what it takes. Teachers can take control over their own learning. I wrote a book a couple of years ago called Never Work Harder Than Your Students and Other Principles of Great Teaching. And in the second edition, I have a whole chapter that shows teachers how to do that for themselves, how to figure out how to take a, 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 an evaluation from an administrator, look at that evaluation and then figure out how do I get to where I wanna be by just breaking down that rubric. So again, success is boring and big success is big boring and that's okay. That's the beautiful part about this. You don't have to be some superstar. You don't have to be some unicorn in order to reach 100% success. You just have to do the boring stuff and do it consistently. Constantly moving teachers one level every single year or less. Over time, what you will have is you will start saying, right now only have one master teacher or two master teachers. Next year, I, I, I went from two to five. The year after that, I went from five to 12. And by the time you get to year three, all of your teachers are either proficient or master teachers. And the difference you see in your students is going to blow your minds. I really like the part about interrogating the teacher's rubric and then using that during the evaluation to ask that question about the one thing that this teacher needs to do to get to the next level, because everybody on this call and all of our listeners can do that right away. Yes. Um, and I can see folks on this call writing that down and ready to do it for themselves too, as teachers to ask that question when you look at your own teacher rubric and your own evaluation and say, what is it that I need to do with my lesson plan to get to the very next level? Robin, you, so wonderful stuff. You've written a ton of books, you've recorded a ton of podcasts. And you're a wealth of knowledge for us, for our listeners, for, for an educational community. Can you tell us, our, our audience loves to hear about books, resources, people, where they can go to learn more. Obviously, we're going to link to your stuff in the show notes. Where do you go? Where else can we go to get information about teaching, learning, and leading in schools? So I like to look at books outside of education for inspiration. And so every year on the podcast in June, we do five, five, we do a summer reading list and I usually pick five books that I recommend that people read outside of education that really can. One of the books that was on last year's summer reading list that I keep returning to again and again is a book called Upstream and it's by either Chip or Dan Heath. They're twins and they write books together and really their whole body of work really think it has a lot of implications for education. What I like about the book Upstream is that it talks about a problem that I see in education, which is that we solve problems downstream when, when they've grown and they've gotten really big and, and they feel unsolvable. And we don't spend time trying to get to the source or the root of that problem and solving it there. So we never have to deal with all the consequences that happen once it gets downstream. And I have been fascinated by that concept and I've been spending a lot of time lately just trying to figure out how to, how to make it simple, how to simplify the process of looking at problems and getting to the source of the problem so that we can eliminate them rather than just kind of managing those problems, which is what leadership teaches us to do. Leadership is about batting away and managing downstream problems. I really like the idea of just eliminating the problems. So I never have to deal with it at all. And that only happens if you get to the source. Thank you, Robin. Yeah, we're big fans of Chip and Dan Heath. 
I do think Dan wrote that solo, um, but there are some stories about how he relates the stream and how you miss stuff because it just yeah. goes right on by. It is a powerful book. And actually, he gave away a bunch of free copies in the beginning. So I got like a desk copy for free. And I actually think Shanta, who's listening, is the one who called me and told me to get the free copy. So thank you for mentioning that. I, I, I don't think TJ and I could agree more that sometimes outside of you know schooling and education, it just helps with diversity of thinking when a business person approaches something different. Robin, along that thread of, you know, a lot of the success you've had and the success you're doing in schools now, just from a different lane, for you to feel like you're making the greatest impact in education, what does the next three to five years look like for you? You know, the hardest job I have right now is helping people believe that they can get to 100% success for every kid. We all say it. but after years of trying and failing at it, we don't believe it anymore. And if I could just get administrators to not only believe it, that it's possible, but to pursue it in their own schools, then I could just retire and be happy, you know, because that is the thing. We just, we no longer truly believe it's possible. And yet, when I sit down and show people how they can make it happen in the next three years without having to change anything about, you know, without having to get new funding or change their staff, you know, right now with whatever it is you have, people just don't believe it. And, and the majority of my time, we already have the systems, we already have the processes. If you do what we show you how to do, you'll get there in three years. My hardest job is believe that it can happen for them. And so if I could just do that, if I could just get educators to get back to the point where they believe, you know, teachers to believe that you can have a classroom where no child fails and you don't have to do it by dumbing down the curriculum. You can do it and increase the rigor of your work. If you, if you, if I could just get administrators to believe you can build a school where you have increasing numbers in your building and you've designed a school where 100% of your students can be successful. If I could just get people to believe that, then that's the heart, that's the hill that I'm trying to climb now. And that's really where I wanna spend the time by the next three to five years, just doing that, believing that and refining the systems that we have around making that possible. I think that's great aspiration. I mean, I was taking a ton of notes around that, just that the concept of the self-efficacy and the collective efficacy that it takes for us all to have that belief that every single student can succeed at the same time we increase rigor. I love that. It's a great way to kind of round out the show. And we have one last question for you, which is if there's a concept out there or a book that's not written or a book that you want somebody to write or that you plan on writing, what is it? So the next book that I'm working on right now is the working title. I don't know if it's going to make it, but I, the, the, what I refer to it as is New Level, New Devil. And it's really about the fact that educators, as educators, we try to do all the things at once. When, in fact, there is a specific order of doing things that makes a difference. And every time we, the, we've been taught as leaders that you write a plan and it's just a straight line from your plan to success. 
But every time you move your school to another level, you face new devils and we're not prepared for that. So the book that I wanna write is really about what are the different levels that schools go through as they are moving towards that 100% success? And what are the new devils that you meet at each level and how do you deal with those devils so that you can keep moving so there's nothing stopping you from getting to 100% success in the next three years? That's the book that I've been wanting somebody to write and since nobody had written it, now I think that's the one that I'm gonna spend my time working on writing. Well, we can't wait to read it. Hopefully you'll come back on the show and talk about that when it comes out. New level, new devil. This has been fantastic, Robin. Thank you so much for being on the show. Is there anything else that you would like to add or close with here on Focus Ed? I just want to challenge everybody, wherever you are, that if you just could think for a moment, what would it look like if 100% of your students could be successful, whether you're a teacher and you are getting to the point where you wanna eliminate kids failing, whether you are an administrator and you're looking at building that at a school level, whether you are a district administrator and you're looking on how you might design that for your district. If you just gave yourself permission to, to imagine what that looks like, and once you see it, you can't unsee it. And so I just want to challenge you to do that, to give yourself permission to imagine what that looks like, to reconnect with why you became an educator in the first place, and then go and start pursuing it. Thank you for that challenge accepted. I know everyone on this call and all our listeners will accept that challenge. We'll reimagine what that looks like in our schools. We really appreciate you being on the show with the live audiences here and We'll have everyone do a virtual round of applause for Robin Jackson. Don't forget to follow the schoolhouse302.com for podcasts, blog posts, books to read, and more. We'll be back soon with another episode of Focus Ed. Until then, stay focused. And now a word from our sponsors. Hey, Joe, you know what leaders need these days? What's that, TJ? Sleep. A good night's rest. Self-care. We've heard it over and over and over again from our guests on the podcast that you can't pour from an empty cup. Leaders need sleep. One of the number one ways you can replenish yourself and lead better is a good night's sleep. I hear you, but you know what? I'm so tired. I don't even like thinking about you know getting a good night's sleep. But you know, do tell. How do we go about getting better sleep? Well, I think that's part of your problem is you need a better bed. It always starts with the bed. That's why we recommend GhostBed, our sponsor, with 30,000-plus five-star reviews. Their patented sleep and cooling technology gets you to sleep faster and longer than any other bed. That's right. And their handcrafted mattresses come with a 101-night at-home sleep trial and a two times the industry standard warranty. They're absolutely certain that their beds will work for you. And with free shipping within 24 hours of your purchase, it's fantastic support from the company. And guess what? Just for being a listener at the Schoolhouse 302, you get 30% off with the use of our code SH302 at checkout. You go to ghostbed.com, you get some sleep so that you can lead better and grow faster. You use SH3 out 
302 at checkout. Absolutely. And last thing, even if you don't need a bed, you're thinking, wow, I would love to try out Ghost Bed, but I just bought a bed. Refer someone else for a bed at ghostbed.com. You'll get a hundred bucks for helping someone else get a good night's rest. Wow. That's 30% off with SH302 code at ghostbed.com. A hundred bucks for your referral. If you get somebody else a good night's sleep, better sleep for you, better leadership, ghostbed.com. You can't beat it. Ghostbed.com.